When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Craig Ellingson, sports editor at the Edmonton Journal and the Edmonton Sun. This is our Oilers podcast for Friday, February 17th, 2017, with me in the podcast studio at the Journal and I guess slash Sun building are Jim Matheson. Hi, Maddie. How are you doing? Hockey writer. And Derek Van Dies, also hockey writer. Hello. Well, we're heading, let's see, middle of February, two weeks out from the trade deadline. Orders are on their last long road trip of the year, starting tomorrow in Chicago. And, uh... You know, of course, the talk has been ongoing, seemingly at least you know in the last couple of months about what do the what can the Oilers add uh, in terms of trades since they're in a playoff position and have been for the bulk of the season. Um, Sh- Peter Shirelli addressed his thoughts about the trade deadline and what or and whatnot he might not be looking for. Uh, what are the orders looking for? But backup goalie is one of those things that I think most people say the orders need. Do they make a move for something else, like a third line center, at this trade deadline? Well, I think I think the need for a backup goalie is their number one need, and something that Peter Shirley will be looking for. And I think if he gets that and, and nothing else, I think the orders will be fine. Um, he may he, he may look for a center, uh, I think, but if it comes at the right price, I don't think he's going to give up a lot to get a center. And I think the fact that he got Euro Pacarainen back, and I think the way he's playing right now, um, really benefits. It's kind of like getting a free player in the middle of the season. He's played really well in the two games he's, he's been back here. So it's it's, it's going to be interesting to see how much he's willing to pay. But honestly, I think the biggest move at the deadline the others need to make is is they need to move uh, Benoit Pouliot because this team is a lot better without Benoit Pouliot in the lineup as as their record would attest I think it's 6-0-1 and they've scored 33 goals without him in the lineup so you're looking at now that'll probably be his biggest challenge is is, it, is he able to move this player because I, I don't think this player has much of a future with the Edmonton Oilers anymore he has no hope of moving this player <laughs> he's got 10 points yeah. unless the rest of the league unless somebody's been on the moon and hasn't watched the season he hasn't scored a goal in, in uh, two and a half months uh, he's out now with an injury. There's no chance they're going to move Benoit Pouliot. He may want to trade Benoit Pouliot, but there's no chance uh, he'll be available in the expansion draft. So, backup goalie, uh, yes. Uh, and it seems odd that that would be their number one concern when the backup goalie is going to sit on the bench, not even be on the ice, 
but you can't play all of March and go into the playoffs without any security blanket for Cam Talbot. And I know they want to give Laurent Bassois a little bit more of a, a taste, and he may play in Florida on this upcoming road trip because it's back-to-back Tampa, Florida. But, I, you know, they'll be getting a backup goalie, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's uh, the same goalie who played against the Edmonton Oilers last night, Michael Neuverth. Uh I like Yaroslav Halak as a better possibility, but Neuverth's a lot cheaper. His contract is up at the end of the year. He makes $1.6 million. Apart from the fact he didn't play very well against the Oilers, last night his game has, has come around the last little while. I think he'd be a, a fine backup problem is he's had some injury problems and you want to trade for a goalie who's had injury problems when you want to guard against your number one getting hurt so but I that makes the most sense in terms of of getting a goalie and that would be for a draft pick you know they have two third round picks they have no second maybe they can get you know they have a fourth maybe they can trade Philadelphia fourth round pick uh to get Neuverth uh and you know that would solve one thing and the center I agree with with Derek that Pacarinen's come in and played well but I think they need a checking third line center a bigger checking third line center uh then they would have four centers you know if Drysaddle's the center and Nugent Hopkins is the center then they could theoretically move Drysaddle back to the wing if they wanted to and the third line center whether that be Brian Boyle or Martin Hansel would be tasked with checking somebody and winning face-offs and their face-offs are not good Hansel's good on face-offs so is Boyle and they're both more than 50% and they need uh, a center who can win a face-off apart from uh, Mark Letestu. Which of the two would the do you think the order should ta- if those are the two names out there Boyle or Hansel? Boyle yeah. Boyle's, Boyle's played in the playoffs and I also think that Peter Shirelli knows Boyle better than Hansel Peter Shirelli worked in the Eastern Conference. Boyle is an Eastern Conference player who played for the Rangers first and then Tampa. He knows him a heck of a lot better than he knows Martin Hansel. The price for Hansel will be higher. Uh, he's younger, uh, and he's maybe a little bit more offensive-minded than it would be for Boyle. Uh, and I also think that Shirelli and Steve Eisenman worked together in the Olympic team uh, in terms of the management, maybe the... They, they see eye to eye a little bit better than Peter Shirelli dealing with John Chayka, who is in the same division as the Edmonton Oilers in the Pacific Division. Not that Arizona is going to make the playoffs, but they're both Pacific, Pacific Division teams. And uh, Boyle is a straight rental. Hansel has is younger, and theoretically, I guess you could sign him. You know, you could go and say, like, do we have a chance to sign this guy who's going to be unrestricted? And I think he'd be a you know a better long term pick but Boyle to my way of thinking is also tougher physically tougher and I think Boyle would be the guy that they would uh, uh, go after. Yeah I think Boyle fits more into the mold that Peter Shirley wants here. He wants a big strong tough team and you saw that last night at the Oilers. They ran around after Brandon Manning all night and the Flyers had no response to that and then even when they were up 5-1 they were still kind of running around a little bit and, 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 that's, a, and that's I think a team that Peter Shirley wants. He wants a team that can beat you both on the scoreboard and in the back alley and, and we saw that last night the Philadelphia Flyers and when's the last time the Oilers could have you could say that the Oilers pushed around the Philadelphia Flyers it's been a long time so I think Brian Boyle will come in and really fit into that 
role, and he's a guy that does have experience. He has playoff experience, and I think heading into the postseason now, it looks like the Oilers are going to make the postseason. They're going to break that slump. They need guys with experience in that postseason. I think it's one thing to say we want to get in the playoffs, but once you're there, you want to go as far as you can, and I think now they're looking at maybe loading up to try and win a round or two heading forward. I think this you're never going to find a better year in the Western Conference. I don't think, especially in in the West, there's no team that you can say, oh, they're way better than everybody else, and we got no chance, and we're, we'll be lucky to get one playoff round. I don't think San Jose or Anaheim is that much better than the Edmonton Oilers. So the Oilers, if they could get you know a few players uh, to add to their team, I think they got a chance to to play more than one round. And you know we're counting on the Oilers making the playoffs. And I, unless they fall off the map here, I don't th- I don't think they have to win any more than ten more games in the last twenty four. That would give them ninety points. Ninety points should make the playoffs in the West. Yeah, unless Cam Talbot gets hurt, that could be a uh, lot unless Talbot got hurt, <laughs> which is why they need trouble. another goalie. Yeah, yeah, that's big trouble if he gets hurt. Now, how, you know, obviously Talbot's been central to the Oilers' success this year. How has he done it this year? I mean, it's obviously it's not just on him. It's a team game. But what has Talbot done this year that he might not have done last year? Well, he's making big saves for them early. And I think the Oilers, for whatever reason, are having trouble getting out of the gate. And they've always had kind of slow starts in the first period. And maybe because it's those bigger bodies kind of take a little while to warm up to get going. I'm not sure. But he's making really big saves for them really early on in the games, and he's keeping games close. And he did that last night as well. He made a he made a breakaway save, a Voracek, and and he really kept things really kind of tight, and then allowed the Oilers to find their legs. And I think that's what he's doing this year. And and he did that towards the end of last year too. And this is a guy that's only been a starter for the last couple of years, so he's really embraced that role. And and it looks like he's getting better with the more work he's done. But Whatever he does before the game, whatever his routine is before the game, it's working because he's he's right on point when he gets out there and he knows he's going to have to make three or four big saves in the first period while the team kind of warms up. And I think the team has confidence in that. They know that they don't have to be their best in the first period and they're not going to be out of the game by the end of the first period because Talbot's there. I think he's more comfortable being a number one. I think it takes a while and he wasn't very comfortable till December last year. And was good in the second half of the year, and he's been good all year. So I think he's, I think he's just morphed into, in his own head, being a starting goalie. And I think you know not everybody can be it. Certainly not a lot of backups can be can become starters. And the trade to get Talbot looks like a very good trade. The Rangers couldn't keep him, and uh, you know a couple of draft picks, and they've got a starting goaltender. And he's certainly in the top ten goalies in the league. I don't think he's in the top three or four. There's a, there's still some that are you know have a bigger resume than him but he's in the top 10 and that's what the owners need now i was going to start talking about the players in front of him the defensemen but circling back to forwards since we're talking about potential third line center getting brian boyle or martin hansel in a trade some people talk about the right side though right wing and the lack of scoring that the owners have from that position now of course, we have Jordan Eberle, who plays right wing. Um, obviously, he's only has a he, well. He scored his twelfth goal last night, but why, would the Oilers be able to address that at the, tra- at the trade deadline, or is that something they think about in the summer instead? I would say probably in the summer. It's it's good and bad thing how well McDavid and Drysaitel are playing, but they're theoretically centers, and one guy has twenty one goals, the other guy has nineteen goals. The only other winger who's in the ballpark is 
is maroon with, with 20. And there's an awful lot of wingers on left wing and right wing aren't scoring, not just, not just left wing. Um, they could address it. I guess they could if there was a, a veteran winger who, who might be able to chip in with some goals and certainly play in the top six or top nine rather I think the and that player was also an unrestricted free agent they might they might go for that um, the owners don't have a lot of stuff to give up though I mean they don't have a second round draft choice they're not trading their first round draft choice they have two thirds and then some fourths and further down so unless they want to give up one of their younger forwards that they don't think can play in the top nine to a team they're a little hamstrung in terms of what they can give up to get these rental players. And you can't just automatically say it's not a great draft here in terms of players. You can't automatically say the team is going to, oh, we'll take these draft picks. Oh, you know, we want these draft picks, blah, blah, blah. Um, now, there are teams that are going to want draft picks to dump on Vegas to keep their hands off a player that they want to keep in the in the expansion draft and if you the more draft picks I guess you have you can go to to Las Vegas and say okay we'll give you two third round picks to, so you don't take this player off our roster so I guess trading you know of the draft picks works for some teams but they don't have a lot to give up so I don't know if they can get a the long-winded answer to a short short question but I don't know I guess they could use a better say Lee Stepniak or a better Christopher Stieg or somebody like that to help him score some goals. Now, Thomas Vanek is an unrestricted free agent. You know, would they take a run at Vanek? I don't know. Um, I guess it's worth the possibility. I think Manny brings up a really good point there when he talks about the draft, and a lot of the scouts say that the draft isn't very deep after the three guys, so a lot of teams won't be clamoring for first-round picks maybe had before it doesn't have the same cachet that it maybe it did last year or the year before when you had maybe little deeper drafts this year and I think word is out that beyond the first three guys Nolan Patrick will go number one and whoever goes two and three then it, there's a real steep drop off so I don't think first round picks will be as coveted as they may have been before which is going to be interesting how this all plays out towards the the deadline I think maybe picks for next year will be maybe a bit more coveted than picks this summer or will be but if the Oilers they, they'll be looking they'll be kicking tires and, and, and looking and seeing how they can tweak this roster and I think that's that's the key here they, they don't want to make huge changes and they don't want to sacrifice a lot of their future uh, for now and I think Peter Shirley sees that he sees that this team is is progressing and he, he doesn't want to take a, a run at everything now and, and really sell what he sell off what he has I think, again, Packer Rain, and we'll see how he kind of fits in. He could fill in some of those slots, and he could very easily work his way up the lineup. Paul Yarvey's still in the AHL, whether or not they decide to bring him up towards the end of the season and if he has an impact or not. That's another option there. So I think they'll, they'll look they'll look and see if they can get some more scoring on, on the wing, um, but they're probably hoping that that scoring gets filled with Jordan Everly starting to find the net and, and Milan Lucic starting to find the net and hoping those guys kind of find their game and start putting the puck in the net. I think I think the Oilers might have more interest in Rad, Radom Rabada, who's a winger in Arizona, than Martin Hansel, and he might cost them less. Now, Rabada doesn't play playoff games, doesn't, doesn't play very many playoff games either, which I think is a problem for the Oilers. I think they'd like to trade for some players who've actually played playoff games. 
the more guys you you would get, the better. I'm sure the Winnipeg Jets would trade the Edmonton Oilers, uh, Drew Stafford, and we've been up that flagpole for 15 <laughs> yeah. years since the Oilers didn't draft him and Barry Stafford's nephew, and he's an unrestricted free agent right winger too. So, you know, we're just throwing names against the wall. We don't know. I mean, everybody at the trading deadline is looking to add a little something, and it's, you work in a vacuum here. You think, oh, it's just the Oilers trying to get these players. Well, there's there's 15 other teams that are going to be in the playoffs looking for the same sort of player, so we'll see. Yeah, I think it always starts with the big first big trade, and then that kind of sets the market, and then the dominoes fall from there, and I think maybe a lot, a lot of people are waiting for that first trade to kind of see what a player will get or what you need to give up to get a certain player, and then kind of everyone kind of fills in the gaps from there. You know, and you know what we're talking about here. You know, applies to the defense as well. You know, whether or not the Oilers would want to add a defenseman at the trade deadline, but do they need to? Do they need to let Oscar Clefbaum continue to grow into the role they think they can, he can play? They don't need to add a defenseman. Chris Russell is a veteran defenseman. They don't need to add a defenseman. I think they've got. They feel they've got eight defensemen uh, with Griba. And Davidson say is the seventh and eighth. If if Russell comes back and plays with uh, Nurse, you know, in the, in the top six, I don't think they feel they need another defenseman. Um, I guess you can never have too many. But they they called up Osterley, who was okay in his games. Dylan Simpson played some games. They got Griffin Reinhardt. They've got some defensemen who would you know every team likes to have ten defensemen going into the playoffs because defensemen get hurt more. But I think they're they've been reasonably happy with the defenseman they've called up this year been able to play a little bit so I don't know if they have to go out and get a Adam party or somebody like that you know in like the past I don't you know I don't think they necessarily have to do that yeah I think Matt Benning's been a nice surprise for the Edmonton Oilers this year kind of like Davidson was last year and he's come in and, and really filled a nice role and I think that kind of t- has taken a lot of pressure off the Chris Russell signing I still think it's one of the best signings that they've made this summer bringing him in he's a veteran guy he does a lot of the little things that are so necessary and this team is so much better when Chris Russell is up and going they're going to get nursed back soon hopefully Clefbaum is really developing into that offensive threat that a lot of people expected out of him and and he's really starting to thrive now and and you you really have with Adam Larson you have that steady rock guy that you can count on so I think it's funny how it went from last year where they needed all these parts and to this year where everything seems to have come together and and the Oilers actually have a a pretty solid blue line once they get up healthy and, and running again and I think you look at that blue line right now and seeing the way Benning has developed, seeing the way Davidson has taken the next step, uh, knowing that you're going to get Darnell Nurse back. I think they're looking at that blue line and saying, you know what, we, we probably can stamp Pat at the, at the deadline when it comes to a defenseman, and I think we'll be fine. What about adding Darnell Nurse back in the lineup? I mean, he'll be back before the end of the season. Um, is there Third pairing. Third pairing? I mean, third pairing. He, he gives him another tough guy on the back end. Third pairing. Now he hasn't played a game in several months, so it's going to take him a while. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they said maybe Darnell, you go down and play a couple of games in Bakersfield uh, on a weekend just to get your feet wet, and then come back and play. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised orders. at all. Yeah, if they sent them to a conditioning stand because he hurt his ankle and he was off it for a while. You can't do anything. You're in the pool. I think that's the only thing you can do as far as 
when it comes to trying to stay in shape and stay in condition then you start riding the bike and then you go from there and i think it's it's quite the long process and he's he's three months behind everybody else and so you have to try and get up to speed and when it comes to playoffs everyone's firing on a different cylinder and so it's going to take him a while even when he does come back to kind of get back up to speed so yeah i i I don't foresee him stepping into the lineup and making a big impact right away i do think he'll probably spend some time uh down in the american hockey league and then get his game back and get his get his win back and get his legs back and then he'll come up here and try and work his way back to the player he was before getting hurt but he's going to be a, a big addition when this whole process is over and when he's back to playing I, the I think playing. the playoffs are still you know we're only middle of February the playoffs don't start till the middle of April so there's still some time and I don't think the coach really knows okay here's my 12 forwards and here's who I want him playing with and here's my six defensemen here's who I want him playing with like you, you always want going into the playoffs I think there's still several question marks as to who should be, you know, is Pouliot even in the top 12? Is Drake Kajula a winger, not a center? Um, you know, where does Dreisaitl play center wing? Where does, is Zach Cassie in a third-line winger, or should he be in the fourth line? I mean, there's lots of questions at forward. And on defense, I think they're happy with their top four, but, you know, they're they're not sure who's the you know fifth and sixth and who should necessarily play with who, so... I think there's still lots of question marks. The team still, you know, got 70 points, which is as many points as they had all of last year. So they're way ahead of their pace last year. But I think the coaches would like to look at their roster and say, okay, here's here's who we got. And that usually comes after the trading deadline. Okay, here's our players. They get the the white grease board out and, say, and put the lines together and says, okay, I think here's who we kind of want to play with whom. And... Uh, then you have a little more you're a little more solidified looking down the stretch now we do still have you know almost two months left in the NHL regular season but one meteor that is starting to heat up now it's been going on for you know quite a bit of the season is the Art Ross scoring race between uh, Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby are neck and neck Um, I was thinking when was the last time we had an Evanston order in that race. Was it maybe Doug Wade, or we go back all the way back to Gretzky and maybe Messier? Doug Wade got 104 points, but he wasn't going to win the scoring race. I guess was, not that. Uh, not that was in that era. They were scoring a heck of a lot more than 104 points. So, yeah, we go back to you know Gretzky and and those guys. Yeah, it's it's all going back to the 80s now. I mean, Oilers haven't had a 100 point player, I don't think, since Doug Wade, and that was you know. 90, you know, early 90s or so, so mid-90s anyway. So, yeah, it's it's a long, long time ago. And can he hold off Crosby? Uh, Crosby's, I think, got a better supporting cast. Uh, but, you know, it seems like Connor, you know, Crosby got three points before the orders were hardly going last night, and, and McDavid got three points too and kept pace with him so to, to stay ahead of him, so... I think he can win the scoring title. I think you're going to have to take a look at the games he's got left once you get to March and say, okay, here's who they're playing. He should be able to get some points against those teams. Uh, in Crosby's case, you know, they got lots of road games left, lots of home games left. I don't know. It's I know Crosby has played considerably fewer games and still leads the league in goals. So uh, he's scoring more than, than Connor. 
but Connor is by far the best assist guy going. So it's going to be very interesting. And Burns was creeping up there, but now Burns is falling five points back. So it, but Burns seems to get two points every game too. So we'll see. What's interesting about this race is how you have got a guy in the east and a guy in the west, and the guy in the west knows what the guy in the east did probably before he steps on the ice or or as he's stepping on the ice he's aware of what happened so it looks it really seems like these guys are kind of pushing each other and i think Sidney crosby hasn't been pushed in a while in this way he wants to win the scoring title i think it really means a lot to him to win the scoring title and, and i would dare say it probably means more to him than it does Connor mcdavid because he's not ready to supplant that have Connor mcdavid surpass him in that role of league's best player and O'Connor wants to get there and he will get there whether it's this year next year the year after he will be head and shoulders the league's best player but I think Sidney Crosby and even Alex Ovechkin will go they still want to hold on to that mantra a little bit and I think that's really pushing Sidney Crosby and, and, and he's taking his game to the next level and he's basically saying okay kid I'm going to take my game to this level see if you can match it and right now Connor McDavid is doing it and I think it's quite an interesting dynamic and kind of takes me back to the you know the the Magic Johnson Larry Bird area in the NBA. Larry Bird played in the East. He'd score thirty points. Magic Johnson would want to score thirty points that night too. They really pushed each other, and I think I see these two guys really pushing each other in the same way. Unfortunately, they don't play one another. And it's much like Lemieux and Gretzky back in the day. You know, in the in the late eighties, you know when Mario was starting to rack up points too. I mean, it was, but they don't play one another hardly ever. So. You know, there's no head-to-head ones to look forward to, which is unfortunate. I mean, they're not in the same conference even where you're playing the team three or four times, so you can get revved up for, you know, the battle. But there's only twice a year that Connor McDavid plays Sidney Crosby. Oh, and that's coming up here, though, isn't it? The mm-hmm. 10th? in March. So. Well, it'll be interesting to see if the Oilers ever get the Stanley Cup final. It'd be it'd be a great storyline, Crosby and McDavid, you know. If they can, if they can somehow manage that, not maybe not this year, but next year down the road when those two teams are still at the top of their game. I think the Hart Trophy is a more interesting thing for the fan. I mean, the fans want McDavid to win the scoring title, but can he win the actual MVP? Uh, does he have to win the scoring title to win the MVP? Uh, I think in Connor's case, the Oilers look like they're going to make the playoffs. So whether he wins the scoring title or not, you know, the Oilers have come. F- certainly farther than Pittsburgh did uh, on the strength of McDavid's scoring, you know, 29th to, I think they're tied for uh, 9th or 10th right now, so they've come a lot farther so he would get some votes, but if, like I said, if Crosby wins the scoring race and also wins the Morris Richard trophy with, with the most goals and Pittsburgh finishes in the top 3 or 4 in the league then, it, you know, I'm sure he'll get tons of votes as well. What would uh, winning an Art Ross or a scoring title and not to mention Hart Trophy, what would that mean to Connor McDavid at this age? Uh, probably first of many, I guess. Just like Gretzky when he did, you know. You'd be looking at it and you're not you're not thinking this is a one-off, that's for sure. You're thinking this is the first of many that are going to come. Uh, you know, not that Crosby's very old. You know, he's still got half a dozen good years in him, for sure. Uh, but I guess that would be throwing the gauntlet down and say, okay, I got mine when I was 20, and uh, uh, I'd have to go back to see how old Sidney was when he won the scoring title and won the the MVP. Um, Sidney hasn't won that many MVPs for as good as the best player in the world, so um, 
Ovechkin and the other people have have won them. And Sydney hasn't won as many as he probably could have. As 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 coveted as that is, I think for for a guy like Connor McDavid, I think Stanley Cups mean more to him. At the end of his career, he's going to look back and say, "Well, I want you know five hard trophies and two Stanley Cups." And I think for players like that, it's about winning championships, not necessarily individual accolades. And I think for Connor McDavid and for Sidney Crosby and guys like that, it's more important to win Stanley Cups. They're going to look back at you and they're going to say, well, Sidney Crosby won two Stanley Cups. Mario Lemieux won two Stanley Cups. Gretzky won four Stanley Cups. It's it's how many Cups you've won, not necessarily how many heart trophies you've won because offhand, everyone can tell you how many Cups Gretzky's won, but how many heart trophies has Gretzky won? Like, it's, it's, Except it's if you're going to win the heart trophy, win it before your team's got a chance to win the Stanley Cup. You know, you may as well get them in the bank before your team's good enough to win the Stanley Cup and say, okay, by the way, I've got a couple of hard trophies and then, you know, in three years down the road they're winning Stanley Cup, so. Well, I could, we, we could keep talking all afternoon here because um, I could all of a sudden start talking about what's what's that going to be worth at Conor McDavid at contract negotiation time. We'll talk about that <laughs> later. I do, the last thing we wanna, I want to uh, bring up is, and you brought it up earlier, Expectations for the orders in the playoffs this year. You think it's possible? Like you know, we're still two months away from the playoffs, but as it stands now, the orders could they win a playoff round? If you know, playing Anaheim or San Jose. Uh yes, I think they'd have a better chance if they won the division, playing the seventh or eighth seed, you know, one of the wild card teams, than playing either San Jose or Anaheim. Um, myself, but. Oh yeah, they can win. I, nowadays, I I don't think there's a team out there that you, on either side of the fence that you can say, oh, they're by far the best team in the National Hockey League. They're going to win the Stanley Cup. So, um, in the East, Washington Capitals got the best team, but they always have to end up playing the Pittsburgh Penguins. They can't seem to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, until they can beat the Penguins, they're not getting to the Stanley Cup final. And out in the West, best team in the West is is the Minnesota Wild. And how far they've gone and ever gone in the playoffs? So, I think the West is wide wide open this year and if the orders get in uh, and the goaltending is good they can win a round they could win two rounds who knows yeah I think it's going to depend on the draw I think if they can avoid Chicago and Minnesota in the first couple rounds I think everything else is wide open but you get the Chicago Blackhawks in the first round that's a tough out Minnesota Wild they don't have a lot of playoff experience as Jim says but they do have some they've been there the last few years um, and they're going to be a tough team. So I think if, if the Oilers do have to try and finish as high as they can in the division. I think that's very important if they want to have playoff success because I think it's important to, to try and avoid those two teams in the first or second round, if you can, because I don't see them beating Chicago. I don't see them beating Minnesota in a best of seven. And But I can see them knocking off Anaheim. I can see them knocking off San Jose, and I can see them knocking off whoever else is, is around. But it's going to be very interesting. And it's funny because I always contended, I always thought that, yeah, the Oilers are going to spend all this money and do all this work and, and get in the playoffs after 10 years of, of being out of playoffs and probably get swept in the for, in the first round. I don't think that's going to happen now. I think they'll get in the playoffs, and they'll have a legitimate shot to win that round. But it'll all depend on who they're playing, and I think if it's Chicago or Minnesota, they're going to look at that and go, "Gee, that's going to be that's going to be tough to beat those guys." But I think if they go in against Anaheim or if they go in against San Jose, they'll go they'll go in saying, "You know what? We have a shot. We have a shot to win this series." And I think that's that's very important heading into the to the playoffs. 
And they can get Chris Pronger. They can call up Chris Pronger mm-hmm. and how to beat the San Jose Sharks and the Anaheim Ducks from 2006. So I'm sure, they can, I'm sure Chris will be more than willing to share his uh, his remembrances. Oh my! I just think here we are talking all these playoffs. You just think two years ago we weren't even anywhere close to even thinking about this kind of thing. Well, it's been a ten year drought. It's been a long time. I I, I spoke to a fifth grade class the other day about about uh, the job and the career, and then and I realized we, I talked about the last time the Oilers made the playoffs and got all these blank stares, and I realized that these kids were ten, nine, and ten years old, and they had never seen a playoff game. So you have an entire generation of Oilers fans that have no idea what a playoff game looks like. And uh, nor do I. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm older than 10. (laughs) (laughs) All right, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Thanks very much.